Psalm 133, I have titled it, Something Beautiful. Something Beautiful. Someone has described this psalm as the fragrance of a lovely rose. <laughs> the fragrance of a lovely rose. Uh, and, and in another of these three verses of psalm, we have a depth, a height, and a width that is not easily consumed in 20 or 25 minutes. But I trust that what we see in this psalm will help us to understand that the most unique gathering upon the face of the earth is the gathering of God's people. The most unique. There is not another gathering like that upon the face of the earth. The only place that this image is taken from is in heaven where it originates and how it comes to us. I, I want you to understand something, how relevant and contemporary this psalm is in the light of the world in which you and I are living today. Verse 1 begins in a, in a unique way. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is. Uh, one text says, for brethren and sisters. <laughs> because it includes the people of God, the comprehensive word for humanity, brothers. It's not just talking about men. It's talking about God's creation, those made in his image. How good it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. Let me begin by giving a definition of what we're talking about when we use the word unity. Every time most people talk about that, they're quick to say, unity does not mean uniformity. And we've heard it so much now that when we hear the word unity, we don't even deal with the word anymore. Here's a definition of the word unity as used in the text. The word means coming together as a community. Coming together at a community, as a community, doing the same thing together. Literally, it is this. All at once, all together. As I studied that this past week in preparation for this morning, I looked at this and I thought that isolation will not do. Individuality will not do. What, what God has promised, he has promised to those who come together. And this begins the message. One word. Behold. The word is an invitation. What it is saying, it is calling an attention to something that is not natural. Behold, look at it. There isn't anything. There, I have never seen anything like it in my life. When you look, you will see a wonder that is seldom seen. What is seen is in contrast to human experience. 
that people are coming together. And someone might well say, someone might well say, well, people come together all the time. Um, I have four scenes that's taking place in the world right now where people are on the same soil, same ethnic background, same almost everything, but when I use their names, you will see that they're not together. Hong Kong. Demonstrations. They're, they're, uh, they, 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 the demonstrations have gotten to the place now where they are wondering if there's going to be an insurrection in Hong Kong. This, this, this beautiful British colony until 1999 just being torn apart in Russia. People are on the same soil, same background, same language, but they're so divisive that they are arresting people all over the place. Venezuela. There are people who are concerned that if this continues there, there won't be a Venezuela before too long. So we've looked at Hong Kong. We've looked at Russia. We've looked at Venezuela. But my friends, we've got to look at the United States. All over this country, the division, the diversity conflict are such that we wonder if it is safe to do certain things because of the fear we have of the other. There isn't anything or anyone in existence that can bring us together, that give us a sense of belonging, relating, caring. It's a scene that is, the church is a scene that is brought together by God. Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 10. And you shall call the people to come together that they might hear me. The gathering of the redeemed is to hear what God who redeemed them is saying. He is the one that provides the means by which people can come together and actually crucify the flesh with all its lust and its pride. Not so that we can withdraw, but that we will actually, God has broken down every barrier that we can come together and come together as a unit that is unbelievable that the, the psalmist had to say, behold, look at it. Listen to Philippians chapter 2, verse 4 verses. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being full accord and of one mind. Which means this, when this is true, we will do nothing from conceit, our conflict, but in humility, we will count others more significant than ourselves. We will not look at only what concerns us. We will look upon the interest of others. And you know what it says under that? 
Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. You see, the, the, the thing that brings us together, that breaks down all the barriers, I heard this morning, not this morning, yesterday morning, listen to a, a commentary on, on diversity. And this person was saying, uh, it was a station from, uh, from Sweet Home, uh, that diversity, everything is diversity now. We're trying to say, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, you've got to bring this one, you've got to bring, you've got to make. My friends, see, when God's people come together, it is not about who you are. When God's people come together, it is whose you are. That's the difference. God said, you will assemble the people unto me. The only one that has the power to remove pride and conceit from my heart is God. That's what the cross was all about. God was dealing with that which brings division, namely sin, among people. So the psalmist begins with an invitation. With an invitation. He says, I want you to see something. Is there anyone who can bring us together like this? No. No. That is why, my friends, when there is a church split and a church fight, I can tell you, not here, not in this country, but where I came from, there was a church where they had a church business meeting and they had to call the police at a church business meeting. What a black eye that is to Christianity. What, what, kind, what kind of a situation, my friends, where people who have said that, that in Jesus Christ we're one, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God, and we cannot take care of the business without having to have the police come to do what is necessary. This is why the psalmist says, Behold, look at, look, Together, brothers, sisters, together. And there is one purpose for which they come. One motive for which they do. One love that motivates them. This is the mind of Christ that breaks down every barrier. But it was not only an invitation. There was a celebration. Look at what he says. Behold how good it is a song. It, it is something that is, that is being said to others. How good it is. It, it is not an... Please listen, as I sat at my desk working and praying, I said, Lord, please help me not to use words that will point to anybody but my friends. Isolation will never lead to maturity in, Christian, in the Christian life. Never. Because God's design is for us to grow together. is for iron to sharpen iron. And for us to come together. And when we come together, God does something that says to the world, only God can do this. And they want to ask the reason why. Not in isolation. Together. Coming together. Having the same mind. And this, you know, I thought of, you know, one of the latest things right now in Christianity is, is the, is the e-church. You know what the e-church is? The internet church. 
where you have uh, someone living in Australia and he has a congregation in California but he relates to them by way of the internet. You know what that means? I never have to see you. You never have to see me. I'm in isolation. God says, my friends, that does not constitute a vision of unity. You cannot say to someone who is there, 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 doing their own thing and say how good it is. God says, no, you can't. It is only good when God is the one who brings together, breaks the barriers down and unites us in a relationship that can only be said to be good. That word good comes from the word which means something that has intrinsic value. Intrinsic value. There is acceptance when we are together. There is communications when we are together. The word is calling attention to something that is beautiful. That's where the Greek word here for, for good is something beautiful. That's where I got the, 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 the title for the message this morning, something beautiful. This is something that is not usually seen. You know, uh, I, I, I was, <laughs> I was um, reading this morning about two churches in, in, uh, in Ohio, I think it is Ohio. One, I usually get almost embarrassed it's a black church. I don't know what a black church is. I, I, I think people who are black, that's okay, but black church, are you talking about the color of the building or what? You know, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. And a white church. And, and, and they have come together to form one congregation. And as I sat and listened, I asked myself, is this good? It could be, but I'll tell you why my question is. Because, my friends, we tend to do things trendingly. We, you know, the, the world is talking about, about diversity. We're going to show them, and we're going to come together. My friends, we need someone more powerful than an idea to bring people together, to have them break down all the barriers, and to accept one another, and to relate to one another. We need something more powerful than, a, than an idea. The idea is good. And I thought, well, Sotoville Church is ahead of them. They have a black pastor for a white church. <laughs> it is good, my friends. I'll tell you what is good about it. It is good because in bringing people, when God breaks down barriers so that people can come together with one mind, that is an act of God. And in that act, God speaks to the world. You'll see this in a moment. When we come together, the world will believe because they know that no human thing can do anything like this. Therefore, it is good. It is good. But it's not only good. It is pleasant. Are the two words related? They are related to some extent. But the word pleasant here, you know what I thought about this word as I looked at the nuance and it's, it's how it is used? 
in the original language. Lois and I used to go to Niagara Falls. We lived just 60 miles highway all the way. No break in the city from Toronto, St. Catharines, Oakville. Then we we're almost in, in Niagara Falls. We used to go there all the time. And I will never forget the first time we drove into Niagara Falls. And we saw the falls. There, there were people all over the place, but we saw the falls. And we saw that, that rush of water coming over the hill or the mountain or whatever it is that's there. There was something in me that was so pleasurable in seeing that. There was pleasure in it. It, that there was something that, that, that caused my spirit to leap, as it were. That's what pleasure is. That's, that's what it means to be pleasant. It means that you have a feeling of euphoria. This is something that is so wonderful. It, it is so delightful. It is bringing a sense of joy to me. But it is to us. The word is used of David. In 2 Samuel 1.23, there was a pleasant relationship between David, between Jonathan and his father. And in 2 Samuel 1.26, there was a pleasant relationship between David and Jonathan until the, the latest deal is where the, this present generation is using that for homosexuality. has nothing to do with that at all. David is not promoting a life like that that dictates against the knowledge of God. What he was saying to Jonathan, that when I am with you, I feel safe. Because Saul wanted to kill David. And David had to ask Jonathan, go to your father, and if he's going to try to kill me, this is what you're supposed to do. And if he's not going to kill me, this is what you're supposed to do. And I always thought of that. He had to trust David. He had to trust Jonathan. Because Jonathan could have said, you know, if I, if I protect David, you know who's going to be on the throne? David, not me. But David said, Jonathan, I trust you to the place where your love for me was greater than any love I can have for a woman. He was not degrading women's love, not at all. He was saying that this love transcends that in the same way that this Scripture says there won't be marriage in heaven because there'll be something more beautiful. The pleasantness of it, what a delightful experience this is. And I'm going to tell you, like I said, we have been there back and forth, back and forth, from the time our children were little until they didn't want to go with us anymore. We would go, and we never got tired of it. My friends, when the people of God comes together, there should never be a time when we say, I don't want to go. should never be a time. If God is the one that is drawing your soul, and God is the one that is feeding your soul, then, my friends, when it comes to getting with the people of God, you will not want to miss that. If you come for that purpose, I'm going to tell you, Coming to church is going to be so much more delightful. <laughs> Reminds me of the story of the fellow who didn't want to go to church. 
And his mother said to him, it's time to go to church. And he said, I don't want to go to church today. And she said, you've got to go to church. And she said, give me one reason why I should go. He said, you're the pastor. <laughs> that can happen, friends. That can happen. First church I, I pastored in Toronto. When we had business meeting, I was sick. And I don't get sick. I was sick. Because it was one fight from beginning to the end. Praise God that that changed after a time. But how beautiful it would have been if we had come together with one mind to deal with the business of the church. That's why I'm so thankful that to this point in this congregation, our business meeting is a delight for me. Not well attended, but a delight because there are some, not, there are some, my friends, where it is just a constant fight. And a fight in a business meeting among Christians is not something that God blesses. Well, enough of that. Let's look at the distinctiveness of unity. Unity is coming together, communing, communicating. So he goes to verses 3 and he uses three images or metaphors. One thing is representing something else. That's what a, a metaphor is. That's why we have the little, those three little words. It is like. Unity is like. What is it like? Verse 2 says this, unity is like the precious oil upon the head coming down upon the beard, even Aaron's, coming down upon the edges of his robe. I want you to just put this in your mind if you underline your Bible. Note the word three times, coming down, coming down, coming down. You see, unity never begins from down up. Unity always begins from up down. Because the only place where unity exists in absolute delight is in the Godhead, in the Trinity. There's no conflict, no confrontation. Love, Jesus said, a kind of a love that is so unique that you have to die in order to see it. You find that in John 17 and 24. Where does this metaphor come from? It comes from a scriptural experience. It is taken from Exodus 29, 1 to 7, Exodus 30, 22 to 25. You can read it for yourself. The, 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 the explanation is given as to how this oil was to be made. God specifically says this is the way the oil is to be made and while the sons of Aaron as priests were anointed with the oil from the shoulder down Aaron the high priest was anointed from the head down. A unique experience. And in this scriptural metaphor we are being told something. Oil is a picture or a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And it is the Holy Spirit's peace that we are told to maintain, not our peace. We must do our best to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. In 1 Corinthians 12, 13, we are told that by one Spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jew, Greek, slave, or free. One body. 
Saul did just as that oil anointed Aaron, and it was running down his skirts. Soul unity, my friends, worked its way through a congregation, just as it, 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 it encompassed the whole body of Aaron. So unity encompasses you and me from the smallest to the oldest, from the richest to the poorest, from the educated to the uneducated. 2 Corinthians 2.15 says, We are the fragrance of Christ to God. See, our unity is not in a philosophy. Our unity is not, like I said before, in an idea. Our unity is the work of God working in human hearts, removing all the things that prevents us from coming together so that we are able to come together. You know unity that comes from human philosophy would have been born from above. If it comes from human philosophy, that's why we have all the fights right now in this country about the Constitution of the United States. If you belong to one party, with the Constitution, you were red. If you belong to another party, with the Constitution, you were blue. And we identify ourselves by those areas. And never shall the blue go over to the, to the red, and never shall the red go over to the blue. Listen, my friends, that's man's philosophy, good as it is. Uh, by the way, we don't do it here, and I, I don't know that I have anything to do with it. In most of the big churches, the thing that keeps them together is what is known as the Robert's Rule of Order. And my friend, when a church is run by the Robert's Rule of Order, let me tell you, that, word, that church is not necessarily being run by God. Because everything it does has to do with the order of Robert's Rules. And Robert's Rule comes from Washington. That's the origin of it. And when we, when we discuss the business of the church by saying, for example, <laughs> I, I like this one, all in favor, raise your hand. And then I like the other word, opposed, opposed. My friends, you know what the Bible says? When the Holy Spirit is in control, this is what happens. We say this, it seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Not, not the rule that controls politician, controls us. The Holy Spirit is the one who does. The Word of God is that which, the, this is a scripture, this is why the metaphor comes from the scripture and is telling us that just as that, that fragrance ran from Aaron's head to so it should run through the church. The youngest child that walks through these halls should have the sense that this is a special place that they delight to be in because their mom and dad and grandparents like to be there. Unity. It's a fragrance. It's a fragrance that runs from top to bottom. It comes down. And it's, it's rooted in the scriptures. We could go to the Bible and find why. The unity of the church then is based on the presence of someone other than ourselves. Namely, the Holy Spirit. Secondly, it is not only scriptural, it is spiritual. 
Verse 3. Verse 3. It is like, again, there's another metaphor. It is like the dew of Hermon coming down. There's another coming down upon the mountains of, Z the mountains of Zion. Zion was over here. Mount Hermon was over here. Mount Hermon was the highest mountain in the region. Zion was in the valley. But when that fragrance comes down like the dew, it covers the entire area. And when it covers the entire area, it doesn't matter, my friends, because it's a spiritual metaphor. Unity is a spiritual energy. It is, it is, it is rooted in who God is. <laughs> the source of unity is Jesus. Please listen. In John chapter 17, verse 22, Jesus is praying for the church. And he says this, Father, the glory you have given to me, I have given to them. The glory you have given to me, I have given to them that they may be one, even as you and I are one. My friends, do you get that? Just as the, the compiling of the ingredients for, for the oil to anoint Aaron to be the chief, the head uh, um, uh, of, of, the, of the people of Israel, the spiritual head, so Jesus Christ comes from God with something that God gave to him that was exercised in all eternity that caused them to relate to one another or to each other in a unique way. That, Jesus said, I have given to the church, I've given to the disciples, I've given to the people so that you and I are not displaying something we have arrived at, we are displaying a legacy that has been given to us. What a, what a wonder. What a wonder. Dear friends, it, unity is a spiritual thing. It's not a physical thing. <laughs> did, 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 did you watch the debate last Wednesday night? Hope you didn't. <laughs> These are people that belong to the same party and they were eating at one another. My friends, that's not what Christians do. That's why he said, behold, this is something beautiful. I can't go any place to find this kind of unity apart from Sodoville Church. And I mean that. I cannot go to any place where this can be found if it is not based upon the Scripture and it's not based on the Spirit's ministry. This, this is what we have here, friends. That's why he said, behold, look, look. You know, I, I, I don't always say this, and I'll close in a minute. No, I won't say it. I won't, I won't say it. She's not here, so she can't defend herself, so I, can't, I won't say it. But what, what I do want to say, friends, I want to say this. Back about 100 years ago, 150 years ago, some of you will remember this. Someone wrote this hymn. Listen, listen to the words. Blessed be the tie that binds. 
our hearts in Christian love. The fellowship of kindred minds, listen now, is like to that above. What happens in our community, in our coming together, our all together, is like that which is happening between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the angels are rejoicing together with one voice saying, Blessed and honor and glory and dominion to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. One mind. One mind. It's a spiritual unity. It's a spiritual thing. It's not some physical thing we try to hold on to make sure. No, we are told in Ephesians 4.13, Make sure that you do your uttermost best to preserve the unity, not to make it to preserve the unity of the Spirit. Lastly, it's a sovereign ministry. Unity is a sovereign ministry. Verse 3, the last part of it. For there the Lord commanded blessing. Where unity is, God will bless. Why? Because He's blessing what He gives. Where unity is, God directs his blessing. The word blessing there means to prosper, to prosper. God provides for us because we're taking what God is giving. Unity is a spiritual quality, and it is the result of the Lord's blessing. God, with his word, gives strength to do the thing that God commands us to do. See, what God commands us to do, one of, one of my favorite verses is in 1 Peter 4.11. Let him who speaks, speak as the oracle of God. Let him who serve, serve with the strength that God gives, that in all things he might be glorified. The one passion that a unified church has is that nothing is done, but that Jesus Christ is magnified. That's, my friend, is something that the world knows nothing about. And this little hamlet here can demonstrate that. And God has a way of bringing people to see something that they will not find any place where the Word of God and the Spirit of God does not have supremacy. To God be the glory. Amen. Father, take your word, O oh God. I pray that no idle thought may have been expressed, no careless word, that the Spirit of God will seal God's word to the hearts of those who have listened so carefully and attentively. And bless, Lord, the word so that we will be a church that will be said of us, Behold, look, look, all, all, and only for the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen.